On Point with Craig's Investment Partners. All right, good morning, everyone. Uh, remember, the information provided here is general. It's not financial advice, and it doesn't take into account your situation, objectives, or risk tolerance. Objectives are all subject to risk, none are guaranteed, so before you make any decisions, make sure you contact an investment advisor and you can find information about the services we provide in that regard at our website, which is craigsip.com. Okay, looking back at last week, rough week, very much so, uh, in the US in particular, we saw markets sold off everywhere. We'll talk about uh, why shortly, but, but first of all, the numbers themselves, the S&P 500 in the US was down 5.1%, uh, which is the worst what we've seen since January. And uh, it was the financials and the technology stocks that felt the brunt of that. Those are the two sectors that traditionally uh, do it the toughest when you have recessionary conditions or weaker e economic conditions. Now, we're obviously not in recession in the US at the moment, uh, although some people are worrying about that as a potential um, something that is potentially looming over the next year or two years, but um, it, it does does point to some of the the things that people are cautious about. That those um, those sectors are the ones that are, are the lowest, or were the lowest last week, I should say. So that saw the index overall, the S and P five hundred, close almost bang on its previous lows for the year, which came late last month during May. And that sees it down 18.7% from its January peak. You know, it's all-time high back in January, and it's now sitting around 18.7% below that. So it's, again, dicing with bear market territory, a bear market being when it's down 20% from a peak. So we're not far off. Other markets around the world also fell, not quite as much as the US, though. The UK was down... 2.9, Europe down 4, the Aussie market was down 4.2. Aussie's actually been one of the strongest performers all year, held up better than most. Uh, but that, that was a rough week for Australia, and that was really driven by the banking stocks, uh, which are a really dominant part of the Australian market. The banks make up a big part of the index, and they fell after the Reserve Bank of Australia hiked interest rates more than expected. The RBA raised rates 50 basis points, which was bigger than expected. And that sort of spooked people because they thought, well, you know, if the RBA is going to move as aggressively as that, we are going to see uh, an economic slowdown. We're going to see it a bit tough for people to pay their mortgages and all of those other sort of things that go hand in hand with a slowing economy. And uh, banks tend to be basically a play on the economy. So... Uh, when you've got a weaker economy, banks don't do so well. So that was the reason there. The local market, the NZX50, fell 2.5%, which is a big fall, but it actually makes it one of the better performers of the week. Um, and some of the, the stronger stocks, um, Sky City was actually one of the best performers or the best performer in the index. Uh, no real news on that front. I, I think that was really just that... Um, it's it's fallen quite far and people are now seeing it as um, uh, looking reasonable value. So there wasn't really any news on that one. Fonterra was another stock that performed well. It was one of the top performers and I think that came on the back of the announcement that the cooperative will, will undertake a share buyback, which means they will be using their own balance sheet to buy back their own shares uh, on the market. That's something companies do when they 
when they one have a strong sort of balance sheet and have the money to do that, but also when they see their own share price as um, uh, potentially undervalued, and obviously there's liquidity issues they're trying to manage as well. So um, uh, Fonterra performed quite well um, last week too. Uh, interest rates were up everywhere. We saw the US two-year Treasury yield rise from 265 to 3.06. That makes it at its highest level since December 2007. So you're going back almost 15 years, which is pretty amazing. The 10-year yield also rose uh, from 2.93 to 3.16. And the difference between those two has now fallen to just nine basis points, which makes it pretty close to inversion. Inversion of the yield curve is when the short-term rates are higher than the long-term rates. So in the days ahead, if we see that two-year yield go up more, the 10-year comes down or both, and it inverts, uh, that'll make headlines because that's usually been something that uh, happens as a precursor to uh, a recession or, or a sharper slowdown. So that's something we're watching as well. Locally in New Zealand, the five-year swap rate also rose. That's a, a wholesale rate out there in the wholesale market. So it increased from 3.94 to 4.12. So that sees the five-year swap rate at the highest level since November 2014. Um, so again, you're going back sort of seven and a half years, aren't you? And I think I think fixed income um, investors will be quite happy about that because uh, it is meaning that the prospective returns from here on look a whole lot more attractive than they have been for the last few years because we haven't seen rates that high for a while. Okay, a few things that caught my eye. You know, first thing to talk about is the, the CPI report in uh, in the US, the Consumer Inflation um Consumer Price Index report, I should say. And and this came out on Friday, and that was the key reason why markets were so weak. Uh, markets really were quite spooked by this. It came in at 8.6%, which is higher than it was expected. It was higher than last month, and it was higher than what we saw in March, which everyone was hoping was you know the peak and that we were coming down the other side. So in March, it hit 8.5, and then it started, started drifting lower. Now it's back up at... 8.6, so everyone's thinking, geez, um, maybe we haven't seen the peak. So that, that's the highest since December 1981. Um, so that, that really got the market's attention. And food, energy, gas, all of those things are contributing to the gains. But there's also a lot of those more structural elements that are keeping it high. Shelter, which is basically housing. They call it shelter over there. Shelter, which is about a third of the CPI, uh, increased 0.6% during May. That's the biggest monthly gain since 2004. And on an annual basis, shelter was up 5.5%, which is the biggest rise since February 1991. So you've got some of these cyclical COVID-related factors that are pushing it higher, oil prices and supply chains and shortages. But, you know, housing is inescapable for, for just about, for everyone really, isn't it? So uh, the market really took notice of that. On the same day, you also had a consumer sentiment reading that came in very weak, uh, the University of Michigan Index of Consumer Sentiment, which is a survey they've been doing every month since 1978, uh, and it came in at 50.2, which is the lowest we've ever seen in the history of that survey. So, you know, the lowest going right back to 1978, you know, worse than during COVID, worse than during the GFC, worse than during the 1980s, during that, that really deep recession we had. So... Uh, that, I think, tells you just how much the average person on the street is feeling the effects of 
the price rises and the cost of living and all of those sorts of issues. So uh, those two things really conspired to ensure that we had a pretty decent sell-off at the back end of last week. And when markets in this part of the world open, uh, they will follow. You know, we will see uh, markets in this part of the world sold off um, uh, as they play catch up to what happened in the US. Um, what else do we have? A couple of central bank um, developments. The Reserve Bank of Australia already mentioned them, but last Tuesday afternoon, they elected to raise their cash rate half a percent, so 50 basis points. They raised it from 0.35 to 0.85. Now, that was bigger than everyone expected. Most people were thinking they'd go the usual 0.25%, quarter of a percent, and had, had a few economists saying, oh, geez, maybe they'll go big, maybe they'll go 40 basis points. They went even bigger than that. So uh, they really did surprise everybody, and it looks like they've, they've woken up and realised that they're deeply in catch-up mode and they need to get a move on, so they're doing that. Um, we saw something similar from the ECB, um, although they didn't raise rates, but they did have their meeting last week and they said, look, we need to start raising rates. Inflation's high here, like it is everywhere, and we've still got negative interest rates and we're still doing our sort of asset purchases, so that needs to change. So they said, look, we will finish the asset purchases by the, the 1st of July, and then we'll start raising interest rates in at the next meeting, which is in July. So um, late July, the European Central Bank will hike its interest rate probably quarter of a percent, um, and then it will just move on too. So they're still they're still moving more slowly than most others, but you know they've joined that sort of interest rate hiking cycle party that everyone else is already a part of. So New Zealand's doing it, the US, the Bank of England. Uh, the Reserve Bank of Australia and the ECB is about to um, begin as well. So all of those parties, all of those banks will be hiking interest rates in sync, something we haven't seen for a long time. Looking to the week ahead, uh, again, it will be central banks that are in focus. Um, people probably get bored hearing about central banks, but the reason it's so important is high inflation and then that central bank response uh, with interest rates is just so key to what we're seeing and feeling out there in financial markets at the moment and it is it is driving expectations and prices and where the economy is going much more than most other things so that's why we keep on talking about it is you just can't avoid it it's the biggest the biggest the biggest story at the moment um, the Fed decision will be the main one. So this is the Federal Reserve in the US. Now, their decision is due at 6 a.m. on Thursday morning, NZ time. Uh, market is expecting another 50 basis point hike. So they're currently at 1.5, which is the highest we've seen since just before the pandemic took hold. Um, so, you know, if they go 50, then they'll go from 1.5 to 2. Um, but look, there are a few people out there saying, well, maybe they could even go 75 basis points, you know, 0.75%. That's, I'd say that's unlikely. We haven't seen that since 1994. So that would be a big move if they did that. But look, if they did want to shock the market and get people to really believe that they are serious about getting inflation under control, no matter what, then that would be something they could potentially consider. But most likely is the 50 basis point move, um, but that's very much a watch this space. Uh, and if that, that does eventuate, then it'll also be really important to look at the commentary and to sort of look at the, the new forecasts that they put forward uh, that'll go along with that meeting. So that's Thursday morning. Bank of England also meets on Thursday. That'll be that, that night, though, our time, um, and they'll hike rates again, I would think. And then you've got the Bank of Japan, who is sort of the one who isn't 
making any such changes. So theirs will be, you know, a, a little less exciting. Um, outside of that, what have we got on the local calendar? A couple of things to keep an eye out for. March quarter GDP. So this will be in New Zealand. This is out Thursday morning, 10.45 a.m. Um, Reserve Bank figures, which are out in May, suggest you'll get GDP increasing at the annual an annual rate of 2.5%, which is okay. Bank economists are a little less optimistic. They're sort of picking uh, something a bit, bit um, more modest. So uh, will the GDP data matter? Yeah, yes and no. Look, I, I think I wouldn't be surprised if it's a little soft, probably, because you have had the Omicron impact and you've had sort of a, a few other headwinds during that March quarter. Um, but it's sort of old news already. You know, we're in June. We're talking about what happened in January, February, March. It's kind of old news. People have moved on. So, so it's interesting and it's useful and the economists, economists will get very excited about it. But to be honest, you know, we, we, we're kind of looking forward now. And when we're thinking about what the Reserve Bank's going to do next, I think they're more focused on the inflation rate and, and what, what they're seeing out there. Uh, right at the minute, so I don't think it makes a huge amount of difference, even, even if it is um, a little lower than expected. I'm not sure it'll move the dial in a big way for what the Reserve Bank's doing. So it'll probably it'll probably turn into the fish and chip paper pretty quickly. More interestingly for me will be the housing market report, which is out on Tuesday morning. This is from the the Real Estate Institute. You know their their report is sort of the preeminent one when it comes to housing. This will cover the month of May, so it's a lot more up-to-date and it's a lot more relevant for what we're seeing out there in the economy because the housing market has slowed pretty dramatically. Auckland house prices have fallen for five consecutive months. They're off more than 10% since they peaked in November and the rest of the country is sort of following suit, but um, at, a, at a slower pace. So this, I'll be very surprised if we get anything but another month of weakness everywhere. Um, it just feels like that's that that's where we're headed with with the way mortgage rates are going and the way you're seeing sort of volumes and sales come off. So I think this piece of information will be much more relevant for the the path of the economy because the housing market is still really important for you know New Zealand on the whole because we just have so much of our wealth tied up in the housing market. So it impacts sentiment, it impacts spending, it impacts confidence, it impacts sort of consumer behaviour, and um, with the way mortgage rates sort of have rocketed up, you know, the one-year mortgage rate now is uh, 4.7, 4.8%, and a year ago it was 2.2. So we've seen a massive increase. Um, if you're heading into visit your friendly bank manager to um, refix the mortgage, then make sure you go and prepare to hear some some difficult news because, you know, the numbers will be ugly. So I, I would think that that will all be reflected in what we see on Tuesday morning. Um, not much in the way of corporate news. Pushpay's got an AGM on Thursday. Internationally, the only company of real interest um, that's got a result to come out is Adobe. Um, very interesting business, very high quality business. Been been beaten up like most of the tech stocks um, offshore because its valuation does tend to trade higher, but still be interesting to see how their result looks on Thursday. And, and that's probably it, to be honest. Um, I've talked long enough, so uh, maybe we'll wrap it up there. Enjoy your week, everybody. Take care, stay safe, and, um, yeah, enjoy following sort of all of those exciting financial market developments. For more insights, visit craigsip.com.